Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of District Baseball. Nick and Trey here covering all the latest things in Nats baseball and around the league. Uh, including Josiah Gray, Jackson Rutledge, and everything in between, as well as a wild, wild card race that is going on in these last few weeks of the season. But first, Trey, what's going on? Nick, nothing much. I mean, besides all the great ball we've got coming down the stretch here, I mean, besides the Nationals, uh, who are playing pretty poorly, other teams around the league are, are battling for playoff positioning, for playoff spots, for division titles. A lot of stuff going around around the league right now, and uh, it's definitely been something that I've been super entertained by. So if you're not uh, really watching other stuff besides the Nats, definitely be taking a look. We're going to get to some topics on that later. But first of all, let's talk about Josiah Gray, because uh, he finally had an extremely good start, Nick. He did it, and it's like... I told you so. <laughs> Are we allowed to say that? Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think so for that one. Yes, for this one. It's like, obviously, if you listened to the last episode, you know what we're talking about. But we've been clamoring for a phantom IL stint or a pushed back start or skip a start. And ultimately, they I think they gave him like three extra days rest. So it was almost a full 10 days if you include the scheduled off day in there. And it paid dividends like and I know some people will say, oh, it's, well, it's against the Pirates. Well, it's kind of the same Pirates team that went off on the, the game before. So it, it's not like Josiah just beat up on a terrible team. Like that offense really came alive the, the game beforehand and Josiah shut them down. It came down to two pitches, like really two pitches changes out. And he went six and a third, five hits, two runs, 10 strikeouts. But I think honestly, the most important part is the no walks. Like, yeah, he gave up two home runs, two swings, two home runs and solo shots, thankfully. But like the no walks is so significant for Josiah Gray this year because he's actually decreased the rate in which he's given up home runs. Yeah, it's still an issue. But like if you're going to have outings like this, this is a quality start. And I've seen 10 strikeouts, no walks. We will take that any day of the week. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been this dominant since that start against the Mets from way back in like May. April, yeah, Um, May. Yeah, it might have even been April. Could have been. Um, but I was really uh, happy to see uh, that he finally got that rest and he was completely different. I mean, command was immaculate. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and if you've watched him the last three starts before this one, the amount of waste pitches were so, I mean, almost half of his pitches Few. were waste pitches. Mm. It's like unbelievable. I mean, I can't, I can maybe remember one or two, maybe from from that start yeah so that's just a huge difference it's it's really about command with him mostly anyways i mean the stuff will play if he can get it in the right spots yeah um and and it's just like a a much needed finish obviously he has a couple more starts but a, a much needed wind down to the season we wanted to see at least one more good just yeah and it kind of confirmed you know what we were 
thinking, which was like, is that August really him? No, it kind of seemed yeah. like he was he was it was more fatigue. So I think that's that was good for for my confidence personally to see that. I'm sure it's great for his confidence as well. Absolutely. And, you know, as it stands right now, he's at 148 innings on the season, 407 ERA. Like, yeah, the, the walk numbers aren't spectacular, but, you know, he tackled the home run numbers last offseason. It seemed to, to have worked. Hopefully this offseason he tackles the um, walk rate and just the, the strike percentage. And hopefully it's with a new pitching coach. Um, so I, I think like if, if he want so if let's say this his season ended today. Like, I think that's probably the easiest hypothetical 407 ERA. I'm taking that. That's like three. I was going to say 70 math <laughs> 0.7 better. I was, I was going for a percentage there, but that didn't work. Um, it, It's like 0.7 better than what it was last year. That's a, a obviously significant improvement from his rookie year. What was effectively his rookie year. I will take that a hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it's actually in terms of ERA, ERA plus above average. Uh, yeah. So he's, he's, he's still been an effective pitcher um, throughout the entire season, mostly in the first half. But if you if you extrapolate everything over the entire season, he's still been above average in run prevention. Yeah, I know you're big on run prevention after the whole, uh, you know, Spencer Strider <laughs> for, thing. for awards and such. Yes, right. For, for right. future performance, maybe not not as much. And I think what a lot of Nats fans are just going through right now is, is just the ability to set proper expectations, like whether it be tempering expectations or, you know, kind of being patient with underperforming guys. Like obviously it, it tends tends to be more the former than anything, but like Josiah Graves, an all-star let's, you know, call a spade a spade. He would not have been an all-star if that one per club rule was not in effect. But that does not mean like he wasn't having a good season or hasn't had a good season. But I think the all-star nod gave everyone these expectations. Oh, he could be an ace. And hell, maybe he could be. But like that was never his profile. His profile was like, you know, a middle middle of the rotation guy, like a very solid three to four. And again, you know, with all the, the stuff we pointed out, if he has like a four ERA, that's a very league average middle of the rotation starter. And that's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that. And I think it, as long as we can stick to that expectation and like take these six inning, you know, 10 strikeout starts with the four innings, three runs, you know, high pitch count starts that he gave us the time before, like that's kind of what you're going to get with the middle of the rotation guy. Yeah. Um, I would, I would definitely say the the next thing for him is to increase the innings which will also uh, be helped out by, you know, limiting walks and, and pitches Command. per innings as yeah. well. Um, because because yeah. now, you know, when you when you get those guys around the four ERA mark, you're like, OK, well, they have to be doing something else. And and in that, and normally it's guys that are throwing a lot more innings. Uh, but great. You know, he's at one hundred fifty. This is the most he's thrown, I believe, uh, in his career. So um, uh, he's still building up to that. And uh, mm -hmm. we'll have to see next season if he can continue to even go further. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, keep in mind, he was a converted shortstop. So like he's doesn't have a lot of innings on him. So the, the fatigue definitely starts to set in and he's going to need let, more rest later in the season. So ho hopefully the Nats continue to, you know, be patient with him as the season winds down. Uh, another guy we're probably going to need to be patient with is Jackson Rutledge. We were certainly patient with him coming up. He was a 2019 draft pick 
Um, you know, we thought we might see him last year, even a year prior, but, you know, injuries and kind of just performance have uh, set him back whatnot. But we finally got to see his major league debut last Wednesday. Could have gone better, <laughs> but that seems to be a theme with Nationals pitchers in particular. If you go back, like I think it's like the last 18 national starters um, to make their major league debut. I don't think any of them have a win. Uh, Yoan Adon had the best start. Um, he went like five innings, one run against the Red Sox, but he didn't get the win. It was a no decision. And if you go back until you do find a win, it's Steven Strasberg <laughs> back in yeah, what, 2011, 2012. I was, was going to point out the the last guy who made his debut against the Pirates, I think, was Steven right, Strasberg. Right, and that, right. that start went slightly different. Didn't we just mention something about like tempering expectations or something yeah, like that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jackson Rutledge is definitely um experiencing the welcome to the big leagues uh first start to uh forget type thing uh three and two thirds ten hits seven runs and honestly the the worst part of it was his own catcher hitting him in the head with a throw down to second i mean for those that didn't watch a game or don't know a ton of jackson rutledge background he's like what six eight something yeah, absurdly six, eight, tall six foot eight and to his credit he tried to duck down to get out of the way of drew milas's throw and milas hit him right square in the head it was just like oh my just kind of added to the uh, right the can anything thing, else yeah. go wrong um so hopefully the next star i don't know who he's lined up to to face relish that is um hopefully the next start goes much better than his uh, first start did against the pirates yeah, I mean, it was a lot of uh, working from behind that really hurt him the most. It, he actually only had one walk total, but he was in, I mean, every because they every were hitting was, the hell out of him. <laughs> true, because every count was 2-1, 2-0, 3-1, 3-0. You know, he was, he was falling behind the entire, and then he's battling back with middle-middle fastballs. You're going to get crushed in the majors. You can't get away with it. So that's something that we'll have to monitor. If he can uh, start getting ahead, maybe that will really help him uh, be more effective totally. Um, and yeah, you know, first start guys struggle in the first start. Things are moving a lot faster than you're, than you're accustomed to. And, 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 you know, we got to just like, we've done for all of our young pitchers this year, give them a chance to, uh, to settle in. Um, and I tell you what, actually it's funny about that game is that the nationals almost were able to come back and win despite the, the offensive struggles recently. Um, and you know, maybe if they had our homie stone Garrett, in the lineup still they could have made that comeback but unfortunately uh the the lack of offense since stone has has departed has really has really been noticeable uh, especially in the power department because he was really starting to play well um and it's just it's just a bummer because we've had a lot of young guys come up and just not quite make that in the same impact so the nats are the nats lineup is really missing him right now yeah i, I credit to good friend ryan Shaq on Twitter, as you most likely know him, uh, he was the one who pulled up the great stat. <laughs> and this was a couple of days ago, so obviously it needs to be updated. Um, the Nationals are 47 and 42 with Stone Garrett and are like 18 or I guess 19 and 42 without him. Yeah, something <laughs> close to that. It's, uh, so, it's a big discrepancy there. Like, yeah, for all the people that wanted to be like, oh, why the hell are we talking about Stone Garrett? Da, 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 da. Listen. You know, you are the same people who argued the value of Gerardo Parra and Matt Adams and, and stuff like that. Like, we can have Stone Garrett. Like, let yeah, us, let us have, have this one. <laughs> we're allowed to, like, have one. 
and, and it's Stone Garrett. But I mean, the significance of that loss is beyond just you know the the clubhouse presence. I mean, you saw how everyone was choked up when the injury happened, like Mackenzie Gore and David Martinez, and everyone involved was obviously uh, you know devastated by the injury. But like the offense stinks, and the, you know we're not breaking any news here, but. He he was just starting to hit his stride at the time of the injury, and now it's almost been a month since the injury, uh, just about. And you know the the offense is just stunk in, in every way. Like the the initial jolts we had gotten with Blankenhorn and Keyboom and Young, all of those guys have significantly cooled off, and now we're probably not going to see any of them next year. I mean, Young maybe just because he's no pun intended because he's young, like he might get more of a leash, but I think the Carter Keeboom experiment is just about done. Uh, Blankenhorn was just a placeholder. If I've ever seen a placeholder um, and, you know, then you're, you're getting into the Dom Smiths that shouldn't even be in the lineup to begin with, but there's no one else to, to take that place. Riley Adams is out for the rest of the year with a hamate injury. So even when he comes back, like we're, going to be needing to watch his power ability because obviously a hammock injury uh for those that don't know it it was his left hand like that's going to lead to issues swinging the bat for a while and you know it it, it just sucks that who ended up being like our key piece to the lineup is out for the season and you know it's very noticeable day in and day out yeah i mean again when it's this noticeable it comes back to what we've been saying as well, which is this team lacks depth. This organization lacks depth. You don't, ha- you have to have a guy that can come in and, and play a replacement level ball. And we don't have that right now. Um, and you know, that, that goes down to a bunch of different things that goes down to how we drafted that goes down to what free agents we've signed. That goes down to ownership, giving free agent money. Um, and uh, we're going to be seeing, uh, a lot more of it probably because Mike Rizzo's back, baby. Uh, officially extended. We kind of af- assumed that was going to happen. Um, you know, as far as as what they've said, this is the most committed that both Rizzo and the learners have been, according to themselves. Um, but obviously, we have not seen that. So going into this offseason, you know, they're they're talking a big game, and if they don't deliver, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, I, I just don't even know what to expect, really, because, you know, you, you have the billionaire defenders or, and learner defenders. And, you know, I, I talked about them last, <clears throat> excuse me, last episode. And, you know, we don't have to dive into that conversation, but I, I just can't help but wonder if the learners are going to say they're keeping the team and try to PR spin it as, oh, we believe in this team. We don't want to go anywhere when in reality, they're not getting an offer that they want, um, which we all know is the case. Like in the Angels case, and the the Angels will talk about them. They're just the gift that keeps on giving. Like the owner put the team up for sale and then publicly announced that he's not selling the team anymore because he didn't get offers. And if the Angels, who are located in Southern California, and have at least at the time Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, like if they couldn't get the offer they're looking for, like the Nationals certainly weren't getting. I mean, we know the Nationals can, didn't get the offers they were looking for, um, but there was never a public announcement that the learners were keeping the team. So now it's just all of this like vague media, um, you know, PR spin type 
narratives it's so obnoxious yeah it's just uh crazy but you know what we do know is like you said mike rizzo is back and if you look at his track record over the past couple years it's going to be a very um frustrating (laughs) off season Uh, more likely yeah yeah like first of all the the crop is not as great as it has and certainly there's there's pieces to be had but it's not as great as it has been in the past couple years and they weren't spinning in the past couple years um you know you you hope that the steven strasberg retirement you know it gets settled in some way to free up some money but they're gonna owe him something and more than likely owe him the full thing so it's not like that money necessarily comes off the books the only benefit you get from that is the cleared roster spot um it is the last year of patrick corbin's deal which hallelujah never thought we would get there um so maybe they try to free (laughs) maybe they try to make a deal a year earlier if there's someone they really like but I'm not too optimistic about that. So in all likelihood, it's going to be bargain bin shopping. I don't see anyone getting a, an AAV over like six or 7 million. And even that seems to be pushing it because um, they're going to cry poor over the Strasburg and Corbin deals for as long as they can. And especially when the shares are deferment, I think they're already paying the shares. So anyway, yeah, they're going to cry poor and I, you know, Rizzo is Rizzo, but I do think his job is, exponentially more difficult with the state of the ownership yeah you know that's what i was gonna say was i don't mind mike rizzo when he's got some free agent money to play with i think that's what that's his strength is, is yeah. signing some some of those contracts um but it's you know as, as much as they're saying that they're committed actions speak louder than words so you got to invest back into this team this offseason with free agent money and also scouting and and international stuff uh international oh, player boy. development yeah. so it's it's been something that all we from all, all, we, all the actions we've seen indicate that you are not going to be putting money back into this team so we got to mm-hmm. see something this offseason for me to even consider buying into that but um yeah i don't know the state of the nats they're kind of in a weird spot because like you said they're just vague about things they don't definitively say are yeah. we are selling or we're not they're just kind of like leaving it up to our imagination so then we just kind of have to sit here and speculate and nobody knows anything yeah and then everyone's <laughs> like oh you can't trust the washington post reporters you can't trust the athletic reporters they have it out for the nets like yeah, the conspiracy who, theories start flying who because... has it out for the nets of yeah, all teams? i don't know like don't what know. do the nets do that like require <laughs> conspiracy it, it's just it's such a joke and the the last thing i'll say in the matter is do not believe anything mike rizzo says on the freaking junkies <laughs> Like that is, of course, he's going to say what like everyone wants to hear or like what the the truthers want to hear. Like he, this is the same man in the same show where Mike Rizzo said, I am not trading Juan Soto under any circumstance. And then a month later, traded Juan Soto. Like, I was, and I was not, going to, uh, sorry, uh, I was going to bring up, I saw a tweet that said uh, it was really funny. That uh, he Mike Rizzo uh, must have strapped on his contract as a bulletproof vest to take all of the shots for the learners after signing Honestly, it. Right. And it, I'm not even saying like the Juan Soto deal was uh, uh, the bad move. I think it actually was a good move. But you, uh, I'm just bringing it up as like you can't believe anything he says because he's going to show face because that's part of his job. 
right and like you just pointed out he he's going to be the 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 guy that takes all of the the criticism and the hits and the bullets and you know all that stuff because again that's his job so don't listen to anything the junkies put out uh, i i mean i have that opinion anyways but especially when mike rizzo goes on there basically yeah. don't believe anything <laughs> like, like yeah the they truth never definitively say anything the truth so. is somewhere in between like if you don't want to be believe all the athletic stuff fine but don't fully believe what the learners and rizzo put out like that's just <laughs> you know the the pot co- pot kettle situation like it's just yeah whatever whatever um but Let's move on to <laughs> someone else's mis- misfortune. But before yeah, we do real. that, and before we do that, let's get a uh, word from our sponsors. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. All right, we're back in talking baseball, and I mentioned it earlier, but the gift that keeps on giving the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, I guess. I guess they're still of Anaheim, right? The they're Anaheim, Los Angeles, An- Anaheim Angels of Anaheim, Los Angeles. California. Yep. Um, <laughs> so exactly. this, was, this was a bizarre news story, at least the way it was presented, you know, talking about <laughs> media odd oddities and whatnot so it was reported what saturday friday night um that shohei otani had cleaned out his locker and left the team that's how it was presented to us us being you know the the fans the consumers um so obviously everyone was speculating and they're in they're like wow shohei was just done with the franchise he just could not be more gone like the the angels are you know absolute laughing stock which they are um like i i can only defend the decision to buy at the deadline so much yeah they should have just taken the haul but i appreciate them trying like i i think more teams should try it's just this one happened to gloriously blow up in the worst slash best way possible depending on your perspective um turns out that otani um is preparing to have elbow surgery on his torn ucl he was on the injured list with a strained oblique anyways, which effectively ended the season. Obviously the angels are out of the playoff race that they tried so hard to uh, put themselves into, but alas, the Shohei Otani uh, saga or not saga that makes it sound like it's his fault, but the Shohei Otani era in uh, Los Angeles ends unceremoniously with Otani on the injured list and preparing for surgery. Yeah, uh, huge bummer because I also agree. I thought it was fun that they went for it, although maybe not the smartest thing. 
Um, Not our team. We don't care if they're smart. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. We are here for the entertainment value in that case. Um, But yeah, it was just weird how they, the sequencing of the reporting, like the reports came in that he cleared his locker out. There was no announcement of his injury for like a day. And then that was just an injury, but it was just very strange how, you know, they (laughs) didn't say anything for so long and everyone's like, what's going on? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Angel's PR department needs some work. (laughs) It's also like if, you know, to expand on the angels just for a minute, Anthony Rendon came out this week and and said, you know, he was dealing with, um, is it a fractured tibia or something like that? That they, they just found out. And he's like, yeah, I don't know why the team didn't announce it. Granted, Rendon could have announced it himself like the seven times he told reporters to piss off. <laughs> yeah, neither but, side in that whole thing yeah. is, is is in the correct and then, lane. <laughs> and then there was the report that, I, I'm not even kidding, I, I am paraphrasing, but I'm not even kidding, this is how it was presented. The Angels will trade Mike Trout if he wants to. It, it's, it's basically like, if you want to we'll trade you wink 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 nudge nudge <laughs> and it's like again you know they missed out on trading otani and you know you look at potential packages and prospect halls to jumpstart a franchise i obviously Juan soto is going to be the comp and i i don't think mike trout in age 31 ish is going to net the haul that Juan soto did granted he's still will net a, a significant return should they decide to trade him. But it, it's just like the way they're going about things. It's like, yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hey, you want to be traded? Cause it'd be kind of cool if you did. <laughs> yeah. I'm, well, I'm he's, I'm assuming he's got a no trade clause in his contract and the contract ex- <laughs> itself is basically a no trade clause. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Um, but I, I think he does have one because I otherwise imagine. I could just do it. But uh, <laughs> they had, the the yeah. no trade clause that they included they have to now get rid of <laughs> so yeah. yeah that that that's they're they're just a beautiful disaster and i absolutely love them um yeah but you know in terms of let's i think we should move on to some actual playoff teams here we've yeah. been talking about the nats we've been about the angels yeah not neither of those teams are are even close we got an al east race right now that's coming down to the wire we had a four game series between the rays and the Orioles. And you know what, Nick? I said at the beginning of the season, I was not going to forget the Rays. Last week, I forgot the Rays. Just yeah, like I, I slept on Houston, I slept on the Rays. Um, so I forgot about them. They're really good. Uh, they show up to Baltimore, win the first two, tie it up. But then uh, the Orioles uh, won yesterday, and they walked it off today to go back up by two games in the AL East. But that's coming down to the wire still. I'm pretty sure that they don't play each other again. So it's going to be... Uh, just the win-loss thing, no direct influence there, but uh, really, also, really great series. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Uh, the Orioles also, with the win on Saturday against the Rays, they clinched the season series against the Rays. So that, yeah, tiebreakers. Yeah, so tiebreakers are important. Yeah, they're up by two games right now, but should you know they end up with the same record, the Orioles will win the division because yeah, they're essentially of, up by three. Right. Exactly. So mm-hmm. you know the Rays will be a playoff team, but. You know, if we're talking about home field advantage and and stuff like that, they won't have it because, well, they could. They just have their work cut out for them with about two weeks left in the season. Yeah, and the the Rays are playing really good ball right now as well, heading into the playoffs. So that's some momentum. They got Zach Eflin pitching like an ace. 
Tyler Glass now didn't pitch so well against the Orioles, but I still believe that he's one of the most talented guys in the league when healthy. Um, and it's just kind of trying to find that third guy. They they have the 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 guy. They have two different guys that that were injured that were that could have filled this role. McClanahan and Jeffrey Springs. If you remember, he actually got hurt against the Nats in like April. Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, I didn't even realize he came back. Uh, no, he didn't. He's just he's hurt. Oh, oh, but, oh uh, I thought you were saying. Yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure he was out. I thought yeah, you were, yeah, the, he was. I'm with he you would now. be a guy. Yeah, that could fill that role. But now, you know, just looking at the starting pitching. But obviously, the Rays have done it their own way with their bullpen games. So anything's possible. They made the World Series with that approach before, um, and their offense is incredible. So if they can just get the pitching, that's another team in the playoffs that's dangerous. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think. Who did you so? Who did you say their first two guys were? Uh, Eflin has been has okay, been Eflin. their their big signing right. offseason. He's been really really good. And then Glass. When now. I think Eflin, I think Guardians, which I can't explain how my brain works. But I was going to bring up Aaron Sivali. I don't even know how, if that's how you pronounce his last name. Yes, that's a good um, point. You know their big deadline acquisition. He's a guy that like it just would not shock me if playoff time he becomes like the Cy Young guy uh, for, for the Rays. Granted, he hasn't been like exceptional in his time with, uh, or since the, the trade, he has like a four, four ERA, but he had like a two, three ERA with the guardians. And, you know, both the guardians and Rays are known for their pitching factories and getting the most out of their pitchers. So uh, I just bring his name up because he's a guy that could easily step up in my mind to give the Rays that, you know, necessary three headed option. I, I'm not going to call him a monster right now because I think they all, all three of them need to really step up to get the Rays, you know, to the back to the World Series and obviously win one. But I wanted to mention him. The other guy that pitched really well in the series was Grayson Rodriguez. Like he looked exceptional yes. against the Rays and he's a rookie and, you know, you, you definitely, back to the tempering expectations part if you're an Orioles fan, but you have to be super pumped about what you saw from him. Uh, this last start against the Rays, basically a playoff game. And for him to do what he did is, you know, just exciting. Like if, if you're a baseball fan, I guess if you're a Rays fan, not so much, but if you're a baseball fan, it was exciting to what go, um, uh, how many innings? Like eight innings, five runs, or yeah, eight innings, five hits, no runs, and seven strikeouts, zero walks, zero walks. And again, what was basically a playoff game. So they will need, if there's one way to exploit the Orioles, it's through their pitching, specifically their starters. They don't have that, that, you know, fear inducing starter, but they have some guys. So, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you're going to, get to them you need to get to them early and if a guy like Grayson Rodriguez is going to do this in the playoff time like good luck oh yeah that was uh that his his final strikeout where he got the k and let out basically oh a, yeah the roar primal <laughs> roar yeah I mean I had chills up and down my body from watching that I mean it's just purely great baseball playoff atmosphere at home home crowds behind you you shoved all game and getting through that eighth and finishing that, that strong. That's really impressive. And if he can continue that momentum, he could be the ace for the playoffs. Um, they've, they've obviously said he's got that potential for a while. We haven't really seen it until recently, which is, you know, this is the time you want to tap into that potential is right about now. So uh, that was really impressive. Um, both, yep. both the Orioles and the Rays. I 
give me this series in the playoffs. Seven yes. games, let's yeah. go. I mean, you could not ask for much more as a baseball fan. Yeah, I don't know what will need to happen because obviously we're going to need to see how the wild card shake gets out um, to see what the bracket would look like and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm all for that uh, come playoff time. That that would be like the series in my mind. Oh, one of the um, best for sure. Speaking of the wild card, it has changed, believe it or not, <laughs> in the past week. So if you're looking at AL, the, the Rays hold the top spot. I've seen 92 wins um, you know, to this point. We'll get you there. Toronto has been playing better baseball as of late. They're now in the two spot in terms of the wildcard teams in Texas has overtaken Seattle for that final playoff spot, but Seattle's just one game back. So, you know, they had a scorching August. There's no reason to think they couldn't have a scorching finish to the year and really propel them ahead of uh, Toronto or Texas to get that final wildcard spot. And in the NL, we basically have like a, four team race for two spots. The Phillies are looking comfortable for now. Obviously, you know, they have a lot that needs to go right for them. The Cubs and the Diamondbacks are actually playing on Sunday night baseball. As we record this, they're kind of tied for that second wildcard spot. The third team that's tied for the second wildcard spot is the Marlins who I feel like we, we collectively as the baseball fans and media have not been talking about like the, the Marlins, I think a lot of it is because of how good they've been against the Nats, but playoff team is playoff team. And, you know, they're firmly in it with the Cubs, the Dimebacks, and then the Reds are half a game out. So we have some crazy wildcard, you know, races going on in the last couple of weeks of the season. And the expanded playoffs are working. Like there's more teams in it and it's going to lead to like a really entertaining final two weeks of the season. Yeah. I mean, uh, Speaking about the the series this this week and this weekend, I mean you got the the Cubs and and uh, Diamondbacks going thirteen innings last night or the, the night before. I can't actually remember which day it was, but it was insane. Uh, you got yeah. the the Braves getting swept by Miami. Uh, the Marlins had a grand slam yesterday Big by deal. Jazz Chisholm. They had a grand slam today by Jazz Chisholm. I'm pretty sure I will. I got to give myself some credit here because I'm pretty sure in one of uh one of our series breakdowns with the Marlins I, I mentioned that you know Miami was slipping and they needed Jazz Chisholm to show up if they wanted to make the playoffs well I mean show up he's yeah they're absolutely go. going off right now so that's crazy for them uh that he two grand slams in back-to-back days you're, you're kidding me that's insane same yeah. player crazy stuff um the Cubs I I kind of was was thinking they were going to pull ahead but uh they they they're three and seven in their last ten so that they, they're playoff spot is not safe uh especially if they lose if they lose tonight they drop uh down with miami so um they would be tied for third in that case Uh, so it's it's going to come down to the last series i think i mean you know at this point san francisco has kind of fallen off they lost some games to the i mean they're still there but they're there but i'm not really included including them if you want to for the the five team race purposes i'm all for that but i don't view them as a legitimate threat yeah they were trending well and then they they lost three to the rockies that's gonna hurt so uh you know they could still make it but their offense really needs to step up big um the reds are right there as well so it's it's gonna come down to the last series for for at least one of these spots potentially two spots in the national league bad radio here um did not realize the pirates had 70 wins yeah, they're they're not not bad. They're I mean, not that, bad at all. That beginning and, helped them. 
but uh, yeah. you know, they they managed. They kind of did. You know, they kind of had a nationals thing where they slumped in like June, yeah. in July, and then kind of figured it out in August. So uh, yeah, they're they yeah they got some they got some young talent there. So just uh, just encouraging. Yeah, they could finish the year with like 74, 75 wins. Yeah. That would be really encouraging season for the right. Bucks. <laughs> but it, going back to the wild card before we move on, um, I think we're both wrong, and I think everyone's wrong. The Padres are going to go on a historic run and then just get that final <laughs> wild card spot. Well, Juan Soto, dude, two home runs and a grand slam today. So. Yes, that, that's true. Yeah, for my the sake of my preseason predictions, I hope you're correct because yeah. uh, they might have been my World Series pick. <laughs> yeah yeah i think i had them yeah. as well i think i had blue jays padres um yeah. so uh, i'm right there with you but i also had Corey seager as a top three al mvp finisher and it's still shohei otani's i'm not trying to argue that because seager has missed some games too but Corey seager is having an exceptional year and i it's this might be the only victory lap i get to take so i just wanted to throw that out there <laughs> yes you did you nailed that one for yeah. sure and you uh, did say specifically that he could win the mvp and if you know what? I think we should we should give right. him the sh- we should give him the Shohei Notani Award for uh, players that win the MVP if Sh- Shohei Otani does not exist. <laughs> right. right. Uh, I think Corey Seager would be the number one candidate for that this season. Love that. Um, speaking of victory laps, this is a victory lap I could not take, uh, and I know I was not alone in this. But with the Mike Rizzo news, meant that there was a um, no longer a possibility to get David Stearns who, if you don't know, was with the Brewers for a long time. He was instrumental in uh, the Christian Yelich trade. And yeah, like Yelich might not have um, like continued on with that hot start that he uh, was on when he first got to Milwaukee. But the Yelich trade was as clear of a win for a team in a trade as you could possibly get. I mean, and all of the players that went back to the Marlins became nothing. So um you know, he was interest, instrumental in that. He, you know, basically got Freddie Peralta for Adam Lind. Like, he, <laughs> he's made so many instrumental moves. And, yeah, you, you think Brewers are like, oh, well, the Brewers haven't done anything. I mean, this guy was, he was the prized free I mean, not a free agent, but, like, if there was a free agency for front office personnel, this guy would be the top. This guy, uh, I'm not going to say he would be the Shoei Otani, but damn near close. This is a guy you go out and get. Um but not only did the Nats not get him, the Brewers, or sorry, the uh, Mets got him from the Brewers, which is yeah. just, I mean. Uh, smart hire, actually, is what it uh, is. Honestly, but like, it, it's just <laughs> so frustrating because the Mets can go from super team, $360 million payroll, to fire sale, laughing stock, to purchasing like multiple top 100 prospects, including the brother of Ronald Acuna. And now hiring like the, you know, cream of the crop in terms of GM candidates and analytically driven minds and, you know, ushering in the next wave of like, it's not fair. (laughs) It's just not fair. And they're going to trade Pete Alonso in the offseason, which is a smart move because I actually do believe Pete Alonso is overrated. Still good. Just overrated. Like, you know, there's they can coexist. But they're going to trade him, get more prospects, and David Stearns is going to have so much to to maneuver and play with. And he has, you know, billions of dollars at his disposal in Steve Cohen's pocket. It's just unfair if you're 
a Nats fan <laughs> like it, between the Braves and the Mets and the Phillies having, you know, seemingly sustained at least decent success for the next few years. It, it's just it's tough sledding in the NL East at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you pretty much nailed everything there. Um, the one thing I'll say is, you know, he's kept the Brewers competitive with a shoestring budget. Yeah. And they don't pay anybody ever. And he, they've they've either been division winners or they've been in it at least at the end of the season. Like every season, he was there. Um, I actually, I, I will actually say, I disagree. I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that they extend Pete. And the reason I, I say that so. is because I, I get the I get the view of of trading him. Obviously, I understand it. I just don't see you don't get 40 home runs a season from that many guys anymore. Yeah. And that consistency is the reason why I think that they will they will actually end up extending him. But it wouldn't surprise me if they went the other way and traded him for prospects as well. Um, I just that that kind of consistency is probably enough. I mean, they basically like as big of a hint as you possibly could give without actually saying that he's on the market. They've basically said they're going to trade him like they almost traded him at this deadline. And granted, Stearns wasn't there, and Stearns could come in and be like, no, I advocate for Pete Alonso. He's not going anywhere. That could happen because, you know, you still have Lindor as a long-term piece and 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 some other guys that are there for at least the short term. So, you know, Pete Alonso could be a, another cornerstone for sure. Um, but I, I don't think he's the analytics darling that, you know, Stearns might like, so. It'll be something to watch, but regardless, you know, the Mets suddenly have the the prospects and, you know, the ammunition, whether it be in the draft or free agency or, or whatever it may be, or trade capital to, uh, you know, really <laughs> reboot very, very quickly, which is just frustrating. But that's not to say the Nats don't, because if we take a trip down to the farm for our uh, minor league segment, as we wrap up this show, the Harrisburg season officially came to a close today. Uh, their their game actually was canceled due to weather, um, but it ended their season. So we have the final numbers for some of the top prospects in double A uh, that are in the national system. If we start with James Wood and, you know, there was an argument that he could have been called up to triple A prior to it, or sorry, prior it being the end of the, the Harrisburg season, but his final numbers in double a uh, 262, 353 for an 830 or sorry, 873 OPS, 26 home runs, 91 RBIs. That screams triple a ready to me, you know, over a 473 at bats. I'm more than happy <laughs> seeing him in Rochester next year. If you go to the other guy that spent a lot of time in double a Brady house, the, Advanced stats aren't his friend, like his BABIP was exceptionally high. But if you just want to look at the base stats, he had a very, very solid season. 312, 365 on base percentage for an 862 OPS, 12 home runs, 47 RBIs, and 340 at-bats. I think both of those guys are going to start the year in Rochester, without a doubt, in my mind. What are yeah, your, uh, your thoughts? I I mean, you could almost argue James Wood's got a shot at, at, at a spring training if you want, but uh, I think they'll probably be slower with him. So I agree. Yeah. He'll probably he'll definitely start at Triple A. I don't think there's any reason to even put him back in Double A. Now, Brady House is is probably also going to start in Triple A. 
I was really impressed with his uh, opposite field power uh, returning this season. That was that was a big deal for me to see that he still has uh, that opposite field power after that after his injury last year. Uh, so I think both those guys, you're right, they're probably going to start a AAA. Then you got uh, you got Lipscomb as well, who is kind of up in the air. He can play multiple positions, so that kind of helps him. Um, so you can potentially see him starting a AAA, and then uh, you know. Dylan Cruz, probably not ready, uh, but he's obviously a huge name. So something to monitor, like how quickly will they move him up? If he does play well uh, at the beginning of next year, that's something to monitor. Um, and uh, Robert Hassel, that's the last guy. Robert Hassel uh, probably shouldn't go anywhere near Rochester right now, considering the season he just had. Uh, maybe you want, you want to send him back down to friggin low a or something the fcl I mean, yeah yeah uh, geez, it, was, it was rough it was rough for him yeah uh i also i definitely misspoke when i read off brady house's stats i read off his total minor league stats for the year if we're just isolating double a it's 139 at bats but he still did well 833 ops 324 average um you know a couple home runs so uh he's still at a fine season and it doesn't change my opinion that he starts in triple a, but I just wanted to, you know, do some housekeeping there. Lipskin would be the other one that I truly wonder if he does wind up in triple a, at least to, um, at some, well, I think he does at some point, but to start the, the year specifically, he got off to a scorching start to the year and then really cooled off at the end. But, you know, his final numbers make you wonder if he could really hit the ground running again in triple a, and then you, you know, to start the year, but in AAA and then really ride that wave into a, you know, mid-season call-up next year. I'm with you. Robert Hassel third. It needs to show a lot to even get called up to AAA, let alone the majors anytime soon. Um, the one we do need to talk about it is Dylan Cruz. Everyone kind of knows how much he struggled in AA following the, the aggressive call-up. I think he spends more time in AA. Um, to start 2023, but I, I, or sorry, 2024, but I think assuming he does well, he could rejoin presumably wood and house in AAA sooner rather than later. Um, if he, you know, has a good off season, productive off season and, you know, kind of irons out all of the deficiencies he had in his short stint in AA this year. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I will say it seems as though, they kind of are trying to keep this core together in a sense. Like mm. this is the next wave of guys, you know, with, uh, with those five and also, you know, Pickney and Morales, I think are now included in that list as well. Um, yep. So they're, they're probably trying to keep that as like the next core together uh, as much as they can. But I, yeah, I think uh, wood and house starting in triple a would, would make the most sense. Yep. Agreed. So that leaves some optimism for the, the Nats. Obviously, you know, we, we want to see some more from some of the prospects, but, you know, the the big guns would house and, and even throw Cruz in there. Like, I, I think that's just too small of a sample size to indict him as, you know, a failure or anything like that, I, which I don't think anyone's doing. But I, I think, you know, he just needs a larger sample size to get his feet under him. Like he's only played in what? 40 minor league games i think he'll be fine so yep. the, the future for the nats is is just fine you know they're on a good path be aggressive in some areas but you know be patient where you know where it's needed but 
that does it for our report on the farm and for this episode. Trey, you got anything else before we uh, send everyone home? All I can say is just make sure you're watching baseball. I mean, there's so much good ball right now, guys. Don't miss it. Seriously, don't miss it. Yeah, this is the time where it is, especially if you're out of the playoff uh, picture, like I've seen the Nats are, you shift your attention to Major League Baseball and just the playoff races because you you do get like these playoff games, you know, in the regular the season. Playoffs. Yeah, before Absolutely. the playoffs. Absolutely. The entire Baltimore and Rays series felt like a playoff yeah. series. And that's yeah. that's what you're going to be getting down the stretch. So don't please don't miss it. I know football's back, but <laughs> but just pay a little attention to baseball. Promise yeah. you won't be disappointed. Yeah. And if you're me, football sucks too. So, uh, <laughs> all right, that does it for this episode. Be sure to like, subscribe, comment, review, all that good stuff. Uh, be sure to obviously uh, check out the YouTube page if you're listening to this on podcast form. Um, and, and if you are on the YouTube page, like I said, make sure you're subscribed and you know, like, comment, review, all that good stuff. We will be back next week covering more baseball and hopefully a better week in Nats baseball as well. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter slash X. All of our handles are below. The show is at District BSB. We will catch you next time. Later. Peace. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.